Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning. 9.30, how are you guys doing today? Good? Hey, it's a great day to be alive. The sun is is shining bright, the sun. Kind of like I said, God restores the sight to the blonde a few weeks ago, like I said that, yeah. The sun is shining out today. It's a great day to be in the house of God, right? How many of you guys ready for the word of God today? Hey, let me see who's got their Bible. Let's lift it up in the air. Let me see it. If it's on your phone, that's fine. Hey, there you go. Say these words after me. Say, this is my Bible. Say, I love my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. In Jesus' name. Hey, open up to Nehemiah. Nothing's a matter with me. What's the matter with you? Nehemiah? Nothing matter? Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah is right after Ezra and right before Esther, kind of towards the, the first 25% of your Bible, about 25% of the way in. You will find the book of Nehemiah. Who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a legend. You haven't had the chance to read up on the book of Nehemiah. It's a short book. It's about a dozen chapters or so. And you can read through what God had done to restore the exiled Israelites. When they came back to Israel, you can see how Nehemiah rallied the people to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. But before he did that, he was cupbearer to the king. Now, cupbearer to the king isn't like just a servant to the king. No, 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 no. This is like the secret service of the king. You guys ever heard of the king Artaxerxes I over, king, over Persia? He reigned over Persia about 40 years. Nehemiah was his cupbearer. Basically, what he would do is he would test the food, and he would drink anything that the king drank to make sure that he wasn't being poisoned. And the fact that King Artaxerxes ruled for 40 years meant that Nehemiah did a good job. Or no one ever just tried to poison him because Nehemiah didn't die by poison, as far as we know. But Nehemiah has some of his brothers that had just visited Jerusalem. And they come up to him, and we pick up in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, and it reads as follows. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kishlev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, my bro came up to me and he said, he came from Judah and with some other men. And I asked him the question about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So he's basically saying like, hey, what's it like back home? They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. And this is one thing I really want to highlight right here. When I had heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah gets a word, and the word breaks his heart. And where does Nehemiah turn? To the one person that can do something about it. He fasts, he prays, he lets his mourning drive him to God. He lets his process drive him to God. In these last few weeks, we've been talking about 
group. Our church is a group project. How many of you guys enjoyed the series so far? Huh? How many of you remember week one, United We? Hey, there we go. What about last week? Pastor Danny, such a fantastic message last week. I will put your hands together. It was such a great word. How many of you remember the title? It was Divided We Fall. And turn to your neighbor. I want you to share them this week's title of our last week of church. It's a group project. Turn to your neighbor and say these words after me. Say, neighbor, together we can. Come on, united we, fall, united we stand, divided we fall, but together we can. Amen. Hey, let's pray this morning. Father God, we thank you for your word. We know that it is true. God, we know that you are here speaking to us right now. God, I pray that we'd be able to incline our ear to listen to you today. God, help us to see you for who you really are. Reveal Jesus this morning. God, no matter what anyone has come in here with, God, I pray that they can leave here casting their cares on you, knowing that you care for us. So lead us this morning. Guide us, we pray. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. And right now, church, just hold out your hands and say these words after me. Say, Lord. All right. Say it with some conviction. Say, Lord. Lord. Say it like you're expecting a word from God today. Say, Lord, Lord. Speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Come on. Put your hands together for the word of God this morning. Hey. Can I tell you that God speaks through burdens? And sometimes it's not always something that, I mean, what is a burden? A burden is usually something that's hard to carry. And as people, and how God speaks to us is it's usually something that can wretch our heart. I remember when I was in high school, uh, one of the things that really spoke to me uh, was I was walking, praying outside my school, and I saw all these kids getting off these buses. And I remember God speaking to me at that moment, saying every single person is going through something that I have come to set them free from. And I want to use you. And I was feeling just a burden for the people. And that motivated me from that day forward. I no longer just went to high school to play baseball. I went to high school to live on a mission. And what I find is that Nehemiah has a burden for the people of God. And he goes to God with his burden. Can I tell you that God will give you a burden and God is asking you to bring that back to him to help give you the answers to be the solution to that burden. And that burden isn't always about you. Sometimes it's not always about you. Can I say, say, say these words after me? Say, it is not always about me. It's about the people. It's about God's people. I see Nehemiah, what he does is he sees a problem and he says, God, let me be a part of the solution. Come on, that's our church's cry today, that if we ever see a problem, we don't complain about the problem, we don't just criticize the problem, but we say, God, help us to be a part of the solution. See, he feels a burden, then he prays, and then he plans. See, many of us, we plan, and then we pray. See, we ask the girl out, and then when it's not working out, we pray, God, help it to work out. But if you would have prayed before, you would have realized that she's already crazy. It's just a joke. <laughs> Ladies, many of us ask the guy out before we ask God. And if we would ask God before we plan, see, many of us plan and then pray. I think we got to reverse it. We need to pray and then plan. In your life, no matter what you're coming up against, whether it's a new business, uh, whether it's some friendships, whether it be a, a, a thing at work that you're struggling with or even a marriage, you know, rather, maybe first things first, 
Counseling, fantastic. I agree. Everyone, every marriage, every marriage should have someone speaking into their life. Every engaged couple should have someone speaking into their life. But at the pinnacle and at the foundation of where we stand is our relationship with God. What good is it to get worldly advice if we haven't even gotten the word to see what heaven says about our situation? I'm not saying we just limit it like that. Church, it's a group project. It's all of us coming together. We get in the word and we get counsel from one another, especially some really good sources, some really qualified people. But at the same time, if we haven't prayed yet about the problem that we're facing, it's out of order. It's important to be able to bring to God every single one of your needs. See, there's an order to God. First, we are called to pray, then plan. God's plan. God's plan keeps us from making a bad decision in the heat of the moment. And if we have it bathed in prayer, what I find is that we don't just jump from one thing to another. And we see Nehemiah pray this prayer. He prays, and then he acts. There's a time when praying leads to action. You do not just stay and wait for God, but we are called, write this down, to be available for God. See, prayer sets our hearts up to be available for God. And so I see Nehemiah, what he does is he goes to the king and he shares with him all these things that are upon his heart. And he says, king, oh king, this is what is going on in my heart. The king asks him like, hey, why are you so downcast, oh my soul? Basically, why are you sad? Because he's never been sad before the king before. And he shares with him what's going on, how Jerusalem's in ruins and the walls are torn down. After he prays, he goes to the king. And we pick up in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 11. He says this, I went to Jerusalem and after staying there three days after the king, sorry, I jumped ahead of myself. He went to the king and the king sent him to Jerusalem to go repair the walls. So here he is in Jerusalem. And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There's a little bit. Maybe you, you pray, you plan, you think. You don't just speak and then do. You actually think, get, get a process in place. So he's planning. He's going around. He's not just telling everyone, yeah, God told me, God told me, God told me. He's actually getting a plan in place. He said, I hadn't told anyone what God put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. God put in my heart. God put in my heart. And there were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So he was alone, going around, him and God, saying, God, help me to bring about your purpose here in Jerusalem. See, what I find is that God works with one person to the people. He goes from one person to a group of people, comes from a single person receiving a vision to church as a group project. He goes from one person receiving something saying, hey, this is what I've given you, now activate the people to go about it. See, I believe that together we are called to rebuild the walls. Just like Nehemiah, who was called to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, I believe that we are called to rebuild the walls in this city. And what we find in Nehemiah chapter 3, we read about several things about the walls being rebuilt. It was no small undertaking. This wasn't like a fence. This wasn't like, hey, you get a few bros, get some pizza, and you build a little fence. How many guys have put on their own fence in here, huh? Chain link fence, wooden fence, you know. It's not that simple. Props to you, real man, right there, putting in your own fence. But it's not that simple. It was a wall, massive wall, big enough for you to be able to, I mean, we're talking about 10, 15 feet thick, these walls were. Be able to walk across 30 feet high. This wall surrounded all of Jerusalem. This was no small undertaking. And when I look at this city, at my, Omaha, my city church in Omaha, Nebraska, I can't help but think to myself, how are we going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? 
There's so much hatred going on in the city. There's a, there's a level of disconnectedness, isolation, division that's going around in this nation. I see a high level of depression, despair permeating throughout this city. But how many of you know that we're not alone in trying to fix this problem? That just because you have a burden for the city or you have a burden for your family or you have a burden for your kids or you have a burden for your parents or your, your fellow classmates in high school, junior high, college, you have a burden for your coworkers, you are not alone in that burden. Come on, it's church, it's a group project. We are not alone in this burden. How many know that together we can? Together we can make a difference in this city. Together we can rebuild the walls of this city, the metaphorical walls of this city. Together we can shine the light of Jesus for the love and the sake of humanity here in the city of Omaha. And what I find is Nehemiah goes around and he, he gets a plan and he rallies up the people and we pick up in Nehemiah chapter two, verse 17, and he shares with them. He said to them, you see the trouble we are in. Basically, it'd be like him getting up on the stage without a mic because they don't have electricity back then. He says, y'all see the trouble we're in? It's all like 10 people look up. <laughs> Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this work. Point number one I want you to write down today, rise up and rebuild. Rise up and rebuild. We are called to rise up and rebuild. Now, rebuilding is harder than building. That's just how it is. Because you start building, you have a fresh slate, nothing in the way. Rebuilding, not only do you have to remove the things that are damaged so you can build upon a, a good structure, but now you also have to get over the rubble. You have to move the rubble out of the way. You gotta get rid of the charred gates. You gotta remove the stuff so that you can Rebuild. Rebuilding is harder than building. See, because not only are you stepping into what is going to be, but you are faced with the memory of what was. Not only are you faced with what is going to be, but you are faced with the memories of what was. See, now, I felt like God told me to tell you today that many of us are rebuilding our lives. We're building our lives, all of us are, to some extent. Rebuilding, not building. Because the truth of the matter is, is that we were all fallen short and separated from God. We were meant to be with God, but we were born into sin. And Jesus came to reunite us with God. And many of us, though, all of us actually have some rebuilding along the way. Some rubble that we got to move out of the way. Some things that, you know, that's not supposed to be there, so I'm supposed to take, I got to take that out so I can put in the right stones so that I can build the right Wall. And I believe God is telling you, say, be okay with the rebuilding process. It takes time. Be okay with the rebuilding process in your life. Be okay with what God is doing in your life. And nothing is off limits to God. If there's something that is good that's not God and God wants it out of your life, does God have permission to ask for it? And I tell you, rebuilding is harder than starting from scratch. Rebuilding is harder because there's things that you have to remove before you can add. And it's okay. How many of you guys know the word of the year, the, the word of the year for my city church? What was it? Do you guys remember? We talked about it like three weeks ago. Stan 
we're supposed to stand, stand this year. I said sometimes for us, it's just, it's just about getting back up. Some of us, it's just about getting back up. And I want to read from you Ezekiel chapter 22. And I think it actually really ties in to this, this word that God gave Nehemiah, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. This is the verse that I was able to share with you guys uh, about three weeks ago. It says, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it. But I found no one. See, I believe that before we are going to be able to stand, we gotta first rebuild the wall. What does that look like to rebuild the wall? Can I tell you that we are called to rebuild the wall for our city? We're called to rebuild the wall for our marriage. We are called to rebuild our workplace, rebuild the wall, our faithfulness to the house of God, rebuild the wall in our schools, rebuild the wall in our political system, rebuild the wall in our culture. We are called to rebuild the wall which is really the light and the love of Jesus Christ. I believe that all of us have a part to play in rebuilding this wall in this city. But understand that every time you step out to rebuild a wall, you'll, you'll face fear. And you cannot let fear keep you from rebuilding what God has entrusted you with. See, what I find in Nehemiah chapter three is I find a beautiful picture of what God desires for the church. A bunch of families coming together to accomplish one purpose. Did you know that in Nehemiah chapter 3, we see all these specific clans and families listed. And over 16 times it says that this family built with that family. The Johnsons built with the Fredericks. The Nelsons built, <laughs> well, I'm just going to use my wife's maiden name, with the Mancusos. We see family built with family. And we see over 42 different groups of people who were a part of this vision to rebuild the wall. See, now I thought we had a lot of teams here at my city. But here we have 42 different groups of people. Every single team, every single person, every single part in this house plays a part in rebuilding the wall in this city, in this house, in this church. See, what I find is that as a church, we're called to rebuild the walls in the city, and it takes a group to see that come to pass. Not one person. Can I tell you, each and every single one of us have a part to play in rebuilding this wall. That's why we have next class right after service. 15 minutes, right over here by the restrooms. You can hear about the four Gs. Hey, this is where you could be a part in rebuilding the walls here at my city. Growing, gathering, growing, giving, and gifting. Where's the part that you play? Some of us is jumping all in and saying, hey, I'm down for all four. Hey, I'm just gonna start with keep gathering each and every week. Some of us gathering and giving. I believe these are the, this is a four-legged stool that God uses to build his house. Now, some of you may think it's about perspective and what your part plays. I know a story of these three stonemasons. And this person went around and asked these stonemasons. He went to a quarry and he started asking these people. And he came across this one guy who was just mad. He's frustrated with life, and he's cutting these stones out, and he says, sir, tell me, what is it that you do? He says, well, I'm cutting stone because I need to pay the bills, and I need to get on with life, so I'm here five to five, five to five to cut stones and provide for all these different things for people, and it's just tough. It's rough, and so the person interviewing goes on to the next person. He sees this other guy that's kind of happy, and, uh, you know, he's just, he's just kind of sawing away, and he says, sir, what are you doing over here? He says, oh, man, I'm the best stone cutter 
here in this entire region. I'm making these perfect stones because I'm the best at what I do. So you could go all the other stone cutters, cutters and they'll know that I'm the best stone cutter there is. Okay, 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 fine. The interviewer then goes on to the next, next person, and this person's happy. They're whistling while they work. Maybe they had a great night the night before. Who knows? <laughs> but he's whistling while he works. And this interviewer goes up to him and he says, hey, sir, I see that you're happy. Why are you? Uh, tell me, what is it that you do? He says, oh, I'm a stone cutter. And I'm cutting stone because we are building a giant cathedral. And I know that this part plays a bigger part in the bigger picture. This little part that I play plays a big part in the picture. See, all three men had the same assignment, but all three of them saw it different. See, we can be in the house of God and we can think, I'm just going to church. I'm just doing my thing. We can also be in the house of God saying, well, now I'm just trying to put on the best thing in the city of Omaha. Or we could step into the house of God and say, no, 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 no. I am part of rebuilding the walls in the city of Omaha. I am a part of bringing the presence of God into the city of Omaha. I am a part in helping bring to pass God's kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. See, they all had the same assignment. They understood the assignment. But all three of them saw it differently. You can look at your role as tough or rough. You can just focus on your own thing. Or you can look at the bigger picture. I want you to write this down today that what you are a part of is bigger than the part you play. See, week one, we talked about that everybody needs a smile. We brought out the, what is it, the Backstreet Boys, isn't that? Everybody. Everybody needs a smile. Everybody has a part to play. Together, we can. United we stand, divided we fall, together we can. I want you to look at it this way, is that you're not just watching kids. You're not just parking cars. You're not just being a dad. I'm not just going to work. I'm not just being a husband, just being a friend. But I'm actually being, I'm actually planting seeds in kids' lives. That I'm actually welcoming people into the house of God to encounter God. That I'm actually developing children up in the way that they should go. That they will be world shakers, kingdom, kingdom shakers. Men and women that know how to pray. Men and women that know how to intercede for a city. Men and women that know how to believe God and all that God has for them. See, your role is so much more than just a position or a title. It's a purpose. It's a calling. So don't just look at yourself as I'm just a dad or I'm just a husband or I'm just a mother or I'm just a wife. We can get caught in that rut and it can actually demoralize us. Now, every single one of us has a part to play in rebuilding the walls. We have church every single Sunday. See, groups is about rebuilding the walls in this city. We have them throughout the entire city, west, north, south, east, even Council Bluffs. <laughs> hey, we love Council Bluffs. We're gonna have a church there one day. We love the people. We look at Bellevue, Elkhorn, Gretna. It's about rebuilding the walls in this city. But you have a choice if you wanna be a part of it. And this is what I want you to understand today. Every time you step out to rebuild the walls, there will be opposition. But we are called to reject the opposition. Point number two, write that down. Reject the opposition. Understand today that the devil is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy your life. And you cannot be ignorant of the devil's schemes. See, whenever you start to rebuild the walls, there will be opposition. 
When you ever take that first step, the devil is always waiting to knock the wind out of you. Nehemiah 4.1, Nehemiah starts rebuilding these walls and we pick up and he starts to face some opposition. It says, when Simbalat heard that we were rebuilding the walls, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates in the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from the heats of rubble, burned as they are? And Tobiah, he's kind of like that sidekick of the bully. You know, he, he's, he, horrible comebacks, or he kind of lays it out. He says this. He says, who is at his right side said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. So he's kind of jabbing at Nehemiah and what they're building and the thing that they're coming at. And this is what I feel like God really wants to get across today is that the devil will always belittle you in what you are doing as if it doesn't matter because he knows that if he can stop you before you finish, he can keep you from God's purpose. So he tries to stop you at the beginning stages. He tries to stop you when you start going to church. He tries to stop you when you start going to group. He tries to stop you when you start reading your Bible. It seems like he understands the power of consistency. He understands that if you were just to continue to do that, so he tries to demotivate you from the start. So I think God is more concerned about our lifestyle of faithfulness than he is about our results. Because he knows that if he can get you to be faithful, that there's nothing the devil can do to stop God's purposes from coming about in and through your life. So he tries to start, stop you before you can continue. And what else I find from this is that it's, it's easy to criticize something that you're not building. So we see, we see Symbalat and Tobiah start to criticize this wall and what Nehemiah is doing. It's easy to criticize something that you're not building, something that you haven't gone through. It's easy to criticize the single mom. I know what I would do if I were her. It's easy to do that, but you haven't walked in those shoes. It's easy to criticize the people that have financial difficulty. It's easy. Now, maybe you have. See, I believe as a church, when we say church is a group project, we're not meant to tear one another down. We're meant to be able to be there for one another, lift one another up. And if you're in those shoes, if you're in those shoes, and there's plenty more shoes that I could mention, you're also called to reach out, to reach up. What I find is that as we do that, we become better together. We're stronger together. We can do more together. So united we stand, divided we fall, but together we can. So I believe that even if we are called as a church, we're called to lock arms together. And we're not called to, to tear one another down. So be careful what you criticize before you even know the story. I think the power comes when we actually have a conversation with someone and we actually sit down and have a coffee with someone. And we actually sit down, tell me a little bit about your life. Maybe you'll understand why they think the way they think. That's what we're called to do as a church first. What I also find from this is that we need to be careful who we listen to because who we listen to will affect how we think. And I just go on just a few verses later. The response of the Jews that were getting criticized by Sanballat and Tobiah, this was their response. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. 
and there's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild, so they're facing even opposition now. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and put an end to the work. This is coincidentally, not coincidentally, right after Simbal and Tobias start to criticize what they're building. And what I find is that the people were listening to the enemy and they stopped listening to what God had spoken. See, many of us have been living under the voice of the enemy. Why are we surprised when we start to have our strength leave us? Did you ever stop to think for a moment, where is this thought coming from? That's why it's so important that you get into the word of God. That's why it's so important that you hear what God has said about you, what God has said over you. Get in the word of God to know what God says about you, not what you say about you, not what they say about you. Know what God says about you, because what I find is that as we listen to the devil, it's no wonder why our strength will leave us. But when you listen to God's voice, when you listen to God's voice, you will find that in your weakness there is strength. You will find that God actually wants to work through that. And God is doing a good work in you, as Philippians 1.6 says, he who began a good work in you will see it through to completion. So don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. God's still working. I like to say this, if you were ever to get a plaque to wear for church, people think it's church, everyone's perfect. No, no, no. We should all just have a plaque that say, work in progress. Because I believe that the devil tries to criticize you to the point where he tries to keep you out of the house of God. Keeps you out of the purposes of God. And I believe that what we're called to do is to take every, cap thought that, uh, every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So you're a new creation in Christ. You're not what you did. You're made in the image of Christ and called to be like Christ. So the next time the devil comes out to remind you of your mistakes and why God won't use you, Take a moment to remember it is the grace of God which transforms us into his image. So the devil can only accuse you to the point that you let him. And the next time he reminds you of your past, take a moment to remind him of his future. When God uses things to disqualify you, why you can't rebuild, what's wrong with you, take a moment, get in his word to hear what God has said about you. So I'm gonna jump ahead just a little bit here. We'll just, we'll, we'll pick up in Nehemiah 4.13. This is what Nehemiah said in response to that. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by their families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid. He says, don't be afraid of what you're rebuilding. Don't be afraid of the people that are coming against you. Don't be afraid. But remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, your homes. So I believe what we're called to do is remember what God has spoken over this church, remember what God has spoken over this city, and remember who we are doing it for. We need to take a moment to remember who God is, what he desires for this city, what he desires for the people of our schools. He desires everyone to, to come to repentance and come to the knowledge of knowing God. You, me, but every person that doesn't know God. And I believe that as we get that in alignment, we will start to see that together we can change this city.
that together we can change the heart of our schools. Together we can change the heart. And basically it's the atmosphere, atmosphere of faith. And I believe that the presence of God comes into a place through his people. Do you know that you are called to carry the presence of God wherever you go? That you're called to carry the presence of God. That's why it's so important that you pray. That's why it's so important that you get away and you read the Bible. Because if we're expecting just to take a little hit on a Sunday morning and go about and make a difference in the world, can I tell you that there's nothing that we're, that we're building on the devil's gonna come out and sweep our legs out from under us. The Bible says that we are priests of God. Do you know what the priests were for in the Old Testament? The priests were there to minister to God. Specifically also to carry the Ark of the Covenant. And what I find in the Bible in Peter, it talks about how we are the priests of God. And we are called to carry the presence of God into this city. Now, I don't want to do this church just to do church. I don't want to do this just to preach a fancy message or just preach just to try to make you laugh or get you all hoorah-rah. But we are called to be like Jesus, to live like Jesus, to love like Jesus. And how do you do that if we're not around him? So I want to take a moment, if you stand to your feet as we close. I want to take a moment to share with you one chapter or one verse that I want to close with that we're not we aren't to be ignorant of the devil's schemes and how he comes to divide the church, how he comes to uproot the church and destroy the church. And if we are going to build this wall, we gotta reject the opposition, but you can't reject the opposition if you're not prepared for battle. So what you find in the book of Nehemiah is that they would carry materials with one and they would hold a sword with another because they were building something, but they were also aware of the attack that was coming. And I believe that as, as we start to build and rebuild the walls of this city, we cannot be aware that the devil tries to kill us before we even get started. And I wanna just give you some tools right now to be prepared for the battle that the devil comes in, in Ephesians chapter six. It says this, now finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. He goes through, next verse, he says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. You gotta get in the word of God. You gotta know the truth of God. With the breastplate of righteousness in place that guards your heart, all your organs, knowing that many, that a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel peace. These were, these were sandals that had spikes in them for them to really dig in and get some grip. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. <laughs> That'll speak words. Pastor Danny's message last week, that faith filled in confession, knowing what God has spoke, that will extinguish all the flaming arrows 
of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, know whose you are and whom you belong, and the sword of the Spirit. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit for your life, which is the Word of God for your life, what God has spoken over you. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And I can't help but imagine that if we stay divided, if we separate, divided we will fall, but together we can. Together we can step in the middle of this city and we can reach this city and we can change this city. Now I'll just bring it down real quick. I just wanna share with you one real quick example of what this looks like in real life. Some years ago in 2017, there was a, a two young boys that were swimming out in the ocean and they got caught in a riptide. And they started getting carried away by the ocean's current. They started yelling out, Mom! Her mom was on the beach. She runs out to go, to go save them. Well, she gets caught up in the riptide as well. So here they are, they start yelling frantically. Well, Grandma now goes out to try to save them. She gets caught up in the riptide. So now we have four people 40 yards, 50 yards out from shore, can't, can't swim in. And the whole beachgoers, they see what's going on. One person at a time was getting swept away. But they had this great idea. What if we formed a human chain? And the news agency, the news organizations say that over 80 people gathered together with one long chain going 50 yards out into the ocean to grab those four people and to bring them in to safety. Can I tell you that when we talk about church, it's a group project, it means that church is a group project. It's not me with the mic, it's not someone that is playing a song, it's not someone, but it's all of us coming together with one voice as one people coming together to reach this city. And so you have a part to play. And if you're not playing your part, that change is missing its link. If you're not playing that part, united we stand, divided we fall, but I know that together, as the people of God, we can reach this city and we can change this city. Come on, do you believe that this morning? So my heart for you is that you will find your place in reaching this city, that you will find your place. God, that you would be able to help your people. Just lift your hands, I wanna pray over you real quick. God, that you would help each and every person to see their part in the body of Christ. That you would help each and every person, God, to see their part in their workplaces, in their families, in their schools. Each and every part, God, from civil, God, to social, God, to political, whatever it may be, God, economical, wherever we're at in this city. Help us to be that part in that chain to reach the people that need you, God. Help us to be that part in that chain to reach this city, to change this city. God, and I pray that as we step out, we would not be ignorant as the devil comes in to steal, kill, and destroy. So right now, God, I pray that your people would be fitted, God, with the helmet of salvation, that belt of truth, the feet fitted with the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit over your people. I declare it in Jesus' mighty name. And I say that no weapon formed against your people shall prevail. No weapon formed against any marriage, no scheme of the devil formed against any family to uproot and destroy shall prevail against your people. So in Jesus' mighty name, God, we say, have your way. Have your way in our homes, in our families, and in this church. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.
Thank you so much for listening today. And we want to give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.